Welcome to the Inner Green Deal podcast. Are you ready for a green career? In this episode, I'm talking to Louise Tiedemann, 29, and working at NGO We Forest. I asked Louise what it takes for a young person to have impact in purpose-driven organizations that are dominated by really driven people with obviously more skills and experience than those that start out. What obstacles did she have to overcome and what lessons did she learn? As you probably can tell from the interview, it was a joy to meet Louise. She was not only one of the friendliest people I met, but also one of those rare persons that are willing to share their insecurities and the ways to overcome them. So enjoy listening to Louise in this week's episode of the Inner Green Deal podcast. My name is Jeroen Jans and thank you for joining us. So welcome to the Inner Green Deal podcast and thank you for joining us, Louise. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Good. Listen, Louise, so you're 29 and you have around five years of experience working with NGOs. So I'm, I'm curious, what inspired you to make climate change your work? Um, well, ever since I was young, I've always had a really strong sense of wanting to contribute in a positive way to the world, make the world a better place somehow. I wasn't necessarily always sure exactly how and what and and, uh, and when, but yeah, I always had this strong sense of making the world a better place. And I think when it comes to climate change and wanting to do something around that, the real beginning from what I can remember was um, when I was 16, my parents took me to see uh, the documentary An Inconvenient Truth mm. in the cinema. <laughs> and um, yeah, that, I think that has had a big influence on me. I, I just really clearly remember that feeling of shock. It was the first time that I really learned about climate change and what the implications would be. Um, and just that sense of shock of like, how could, how can we have as humans have been so stupid to let it come that far? Mm -hmm. And also really that sense of urgency, like, and this has to change. We cannot continue this way. It's not like I decided that I wanted to work in this field there and then, but I think it has influenced later decisions in my life. Um, so throughout my undergraduate degree I decided to study international and European law and I was I felt always very drawn to environmental topics mm -hmm. um, so that has led me to write my my first thesis uh, on um, water issues in China which then led me to um, to do my master's degree in environment and climate change law in Edinburgh I spent one year there and uh, there I met like a lot of like-minded people very inspiring professors and I think at that point, it was just kind of a, a no-brainer. I couldn't really see myself doing anything different. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a a lot of a lot of things I think that have have contributed to that inspiration. Wow, yeah, it sounds like it. Um, mm. And then, how do you make the transition into the work life, and was that difficult for you? Um, yeah, so I, I when I graduated, I didn't have a very clear sense of what I wanted to do and where I wanted to work. I just knew something like that contributes to fighting climate change that was like mm -hmm. kind of my main <laughs> my main uh drive so i looked at a lot of different organizations and then um i found this internship in in brussels for the european climate foundation where i was very lucky because i had the perfect profile for the for the role that they were looking for um was not necessarily easy to get because there were really hundreds of applications um wow. yeah even like for internships it's i think it's 
really competitive. Yeah, a lot of young people want to work for leading NGOs. Um, I, I've been very lucky because I was selected and as uh, the internship unfolded, um, things went very well. And that's also how I got hired at the end of the internship. And I've seen that happen quite a lot with other NGOs as well, that interns got hired um, to stay on. Mm-hmm. There's not that many starters positions necessarily mm. in my experience. So I think, yeah, that was the right way to go. And I think, of course, when once you're in and you, you work for several years, it gets easier because you have more experience and, and skills to add. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you weren't tempted to, you know, with your law degree to maybe join a law firm or go to corporate route or join the McKinsey route, like learn the system and then from within you um, you can you can address it better. Do you feel that that oh, was yes. an option? <laughs> I've struggled a lot with this decision, definitely. Mm. I've given it a lot of thoughts. Um, a lot of people in my envir- environment, like of course with very good intentions, advised me to go the more conventional routes and indeed maybe go work for a, a law firm or, or a corporate and really a lot actually quite astonishing how many people say oh but you have a, a law degree you have an LLM you have good grades of course you have to use that um, and go work for a law firm and, and become a lawyer and, and then all mm. these doors will open and then you can maybe use your skills and contribute to um, a cause that is important I've struggled a lot with that because I felt I just didn't feel drawn to that. Um, I think, quite honestly, I would have been miserable in mm. that kind of uh, environment. Um, because, yeah, for me, contributing to this bigger cause, like, that's really what makes me get out of bed in the morning. Like, otherwise, what's the point, right? So mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if I would have taken that other route, I may have had a burnout by now and I would have just been miserable. So I decided to follow my heart. Mm. I'm very happy that I did. But it's it's not been easy, and even even once I was already several years in uh, working for for these NGOs, I get, still I I got confronted sometimes with this question like, am I on the right track? Should mm. I change? But at some point, I've had one really useful con- conversation with um with a former colleague of mine who used to be a lawyer but mm. completely changed her career uh, because she felt kind of miserable in the in her law firm, and. Um, so when I asked her this question about like, you know, opening doors, like once you are a qualified lawyer, like it opens all these doors and, and doesn't that then mean that you can add more value elsewhere? And then she really asked like, sure, it opens some doors, but you have to ask yourself like the door to what? Like, mm. where do you want to go? Because if, sure, if you want to become a partner at a law firm, then that may be the right way to go. But if you don't, like what does, what doors does it open? You know, where, where does it lead you to? And um, actually on the contrary, once you're in that kind of a kind of an environment and you're getting used to like a really high salary and a certain prestige and mm. when you're around people that have different mindsets perhaps i think it can be really difficult to get out of that again mm-hmm. um and so in a way it can also limit your options rather than open doors so yeah uh, that was a really helpful conversation and uh helped me feel better about the choice that I made and kind of confirmed that I was on the right uh, the right path. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I had spoken to you 20 years ago because <laughs> I kind of went the corporate route. And uh, yeah, yeah, it took me a, a long time to get unstuck, as you say. Mm. So, wow. Yeah, very courageous. Now, having said that, so you were, so you were young, you had a great degree, uh, you were working for an NGO. 
you know, how does that actually then from there unfold? Like in the sense, did you feel you had impact um, as an NGO and you as a person? Or mm. how did you, how, how would you describe that? On a personal level, I've been in in situation where I felt like I was being taken seriously and that I did have an impact. Mm. And I've also been in a situation where I was not taken seriously. <laughs> um, and the the... I think the main difference between these different situations was not so much my age or my experience, but it was more my own attitude and and how seriously I was taking myself. Mm. Um, really good insight, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, I'm happy to have seen both sides. So I think being young and and not having a lot of experience really does not mean you cannot have an impact or you cannot add something valuable. On the contrary, actually being authentic and and Speaking from a perspective of a young person can actually be very, very impactful. As we see now, of course, with the, cl the climate strikes, for example, all mm. these these kids that are doing amazing things. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it also this reminds me also of another of another story. Um, a friend of mine told me not too long ago. She works for a bank. She told me that a, a couple of the new trainees in in that bank got offered a training in, in Spain, which meant that they had to fly back and forth quite a couple of times. Mm. And they refused because they were like, no, it's ridiculous to fly back and forth just for for a, a training like that. It, it, from a perspective of climate change, like we, we don't want to do that. We refuse. And I thought that was just so uh, inspiring and encouraging in a way, like that mm. young people can really have an impact that way by just challenging the status quo and, and challenging certain beliefs. Um, so... Yeah, I think taking yourself seriously is the key um, to being taken seriously. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> such a wisdom. Um, but yeah, so the question is a little bit uh, how, right? Um, yeah. So what helps you in that moment? Uh, like, do you get up in the morning and say, today I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to take myself serious? Or, you know, how, how does yeah. one do that? Um. It doesn't happen overnight, and I think it's indeed it's a lot easier said than done. Just mm -hmm. by deciding to take yourself seriously doesn't mean you automatically do. Um, I think when I was just starting with my job, my first job, uh, I, I think I definitely had this sort of imposter syndrome, what quite a lot of young people have, I think. Mm -hmm. When for the first time you're being surrounded by these people that have so much more experience than you have and that seem so talented and intelligent and I think it's very easy to think, oh my God, what do I know? What do I have to add? But I think, yeah, just having seen more and more grown-ups um, struggle, I mm. think, has helped a lot to realize, actually, you can have as much experience as you want. Like, it doesn't mean you have all the answers. Yeah. Um, right on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? A lot of grown-ups do very stupid things. So th that has probably helped me gradually to get more and more confidence in what I had to offer and what I had to contribute. Mm. And um, what has also helped me is is kind of to start asking a lot of questions and being very curious um, and then realizing that sometimes it can be really helpful to ask beginners questions in a way that can really help challenge certain assumptions or uh, and then even people that are, you know, with you in the same room or like who you're having a meeting with uh can be like, oh, wow, yeah, that's actually, I never looked at it from that perspective because they're so experienced and already used to a certain way of thinking. Mm. So, yeah, I think it happens over time. 
definitely some consciousness like I, I definitely try to talk to myself and have like positive affirmations and um sort of try to program my brain to to be more self-confident but it also definitely came over time a little bit more mm-hmm. yeah wow great <laughs> now so this sounds all very positive and having said that um would you say that there are also downsides to working you know for a good cause and and perhaps um realizing that you know, the, the nature or the essence of the problem is not necessarily going away. Mm. And there's only so much we can do despite all the positive uh, mindset we have. So to what extent does that feel sustainable for you? You know, and, and do you see limits to sustainability, you know, on your personal side, maybe people mm-hmm. around you? Yeah, I think it is definitely very, uh, it can be very challenging mm. and very exhausting. I think especially on for a topic like climate change, we're confronted with negative news all the time. Mm. Um, I mean, just recently, uh, like a couple of days ago, again, there were these reports by scientists that said, oh, things are so much worse than we had even thought they would be. And right. it can be really discouraging. And um, uh, if you're not careful, I can also totally see how that would lead to like depression or maybe even burnout. Because when you're so passionate about something and you really want it to change, yeah, it just can be really um, discouraging and and exhausting when you feel like it's not working, like you're mm-hmm. you're not making any difference. No. Um, I think personally, how I how I uh, have learned to cope with that is to take conscious breaks. Sometimes I just take a break from the news, for example, mm. that can really do wonders. Yes. Um, and also actively look for positive news. That's not something that make the he- makes the headlines very easily, but there's tons of really encouraging things happening around the world. Um, and so really looking for that and feeding your mind or feeding my mind with that, that, that makes su- such a big difference. And surrounding myself by people that encourage me and um, that share concerns, also like talking about it can really help. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think all of these things help me cope with it but um it's it's definitely it's not easy it's a it's a tiring mm-hmm. <laughs> tiring kind of a cause to work for um and i think ultimately we'll only really be able to make an impact if we can stay in it for the long run so like mm-hmm. self-care is just really um really important i think mm-hmm. yeah oh, that's good so i mean uh what the listeners don't know is that before we started, we took a few breaths and we actually yeah. were three minutes in silence. Yeah. Do you feel that taking these type of breaks, uh, breathing, just quietly reflecting, um, going in nature or meditating um, help you personally? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine what my life would be like without it. I, I don't think I would be as, uh, as, as happy and successful with what I would be doing now. So yes, like I think it's key, it's crucial, uh, taking the time to recharge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like meditation and yoga are, are so, so helpful in, um, in, in like kind of recognizing that um, you have a choice as to what you think and what kind of thoughts you feed. And that mm. makes such an importance in how you feel and what kind of energy you bring to your work and uh, ultimately what kind of an impact you will have. Um, so yeah, learning to work with your mind a little bit. Um, uh, for me, it's been absolutely critical, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. yeah. And yeah. also feel that it could also um, be a counter to 
the emphasis on doing and oh, getting totally. things done and oh we must act and we must yeah. protest and, and it's urgent and has and to it's happen urgent. right now right, exactly yeah. and so mm-hmm. so do you recognize that and do people appreciate that at work yeah i think i think they do i wish more people would be open for it and take this seriously i think mm-hmm. i think especially uh within ngos I, I kind of wish everyone would do this. It should be kind of a mandatory thing, mm. especially because it is a lot of there are a lot of people that are so passionate and committed to this cause. Like, yeah, people have a tendency to work day and night, mm. not necessarily for a very high salary. It can it just can be really draining. And so, having those tools to um, to learn to work with the mind, to consciously relax and let go of things, it's just so <laughs> so important to stay sane and mentally healthy and. Mm. Um, just make your life more more enjoyable um because i think ultimately you're only going to be as impactful and effective as like how well you're feeling right like a happy healthy person will be a lot more effective than someone who's miserable and stressed so Mm. you know just from that perspective in case like just looking at it from a perspective of having an impact it's just so much common sense to take these things seriously. Mm-hmm. Plus, it really just makes your life so much more enjoyable. And that's also important. I mean, yeah. life is short, right? We're only here temporarily. And there's also more things than just work, uh, even if you work on a topic like climate change. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's uh, very important, I think. Mm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> In. Um, you know, if we fast forward a bit, let's say 40 years and you're mm. now in your, you know, 60s, 70s and you're an old wise lady, what what would you advise <laughs> your younger self now at this stage of mm. your career, this stage of, you know, where we are with climate change? What is it that you might advise? I, I hope I'll be in a position where I can say to not worry, mm-hmm. uh, not necessary to worry. I mean, I think that's always good advice because worrying about something is never really going to help <laughs> much. So I would, yeah, I would advise that. And I would also say, be brave, be adventurous, dare to challenge things and um, enjoy, enjoy the ride. Mm. I think that's also really important. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much. You've been incredibly inspiring and courageous to to me uh, i'm sure to the listeners as well and I look forward to following you and um, see how things unfold yeah thank uh, you so much and if listeners are curious where can they find more information about in particular we forest that's because that's where you work yeah, right that's where i work now um so the website is a good start it's a uh, www.weforest.org mm-hmm. um and of course we're also on all the social media platforms so just by looking for we forest you will uh, <clears throat> you'll be able to find us Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again. It was a joy to having you here and uh, all the best to you and uh, the people you work with. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure to speak to you. Thank Great. you. Great. Cheers. Bye. Reflecting on the conversation with Louise and hearing what it's like for a young person to start out, it strikes me how distinctive inner qualities are for young people in their career in particular in a green career. Inequalities are perhaps the only distinguishing factors early on. Starters don't have the experience and can't be expected to have all the specific skills yet, but they bring a mindset, a fresh perspective, a drive, and a sense of justice and courage that's often so missing 
with older colleagues. Listening to Louise, I had to think about the role of parents, teachers, and the whole educational system. In what way do we consciously prepare future generations to flourish, to shine, no matter what? And why is it that our children have to find out the hard way, with the lucky ones, or should I say, the privileged ones, to come out on top? Whereas thousands upon thousands of teenagers and 20-year-olds struggle, become depressed, and give up on life. For now, I count myself lucky to have met Louise and carry forward a sense of possibility and joy, knowing that some do make it and bring us that fresh perspective and the wind of change. Well, in talking about change, next week we will continue our inquiry and meet with Parham Antonio Fazili, still in his 30s, but already one of the leading figures in self-driving cars. Parham works for a very large company and we'll ask him to what extent he believes that companies can and should be part of the solution to transition to a green and more just society. So subscribe to the Inner Green Deal podcast and continue to hear about the struggles, insights and the inspiration of those on the front line of climate action. Thank you for listening and take care.